Well, Cooper, he sums it up perfectly, and it's it's ironic. This was exactly what I was going to lead with. I was going to pull a Paul Rhodes. So flipping proud of this team. Iowa loses 77 to 70. And if there's anything, anything um, close to a moral victory, it's what just happened. A very, very spirited performance by a group that was depleted, dealing with, um, you know, their best player being out. Um, and what they do, they came out there and, and just fought to the end. Uh, what a performance from Iowa. And I mean that. I said before the game, during our pregame show, I said Iowa's not winning this game. With under three minutes to go in this game, I believed Iowa could win this game. And that is incredible. We're going to be joined here very soon by Coach Gary Close. He will be joining us soon to talk about this game. Um, if you want to call in, feel free to call in now. You're free to call in when Gary is here as well. 515-635-1601. And as we await... Gary, we ask that you please help us out. Please share our show on social media. It certainly helps us to grow um, and helps others to hear about the content. If you're enjoying this show, you're enjoying the content that we're continuing to try to produce on an almost daily basis, it seems like, um, please, sh again, share our show out so uh, others can, can hear about the show and, and join us. 515. 635-1601. The storyline, Keegan Murray does not play due to an ankle injury. Iowa falls down, but I believe 19 points. I don't have the official box score in front of me. Um, but Iowa definitely fall down by about near, near 20. I don't know if it was 18, 19, somewhere in there. They fall down by close to 20, fight all the way back. Um, what, what a performance. Let's take our first call here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm, Iowa basketball postgame. Who's on the line? Uh, Cooper Dorfeld. Cooper, you and I are on the same page, buddy. Uh, when I jumped on here, that was the that was the first thing, that was the only thing I was going to lead with. So proud of the effort of these guys tonight. Oh, I know. It's, to see the way that the game started and how it seemed to get out of hand a little bit, uh, and then just the way that those guys bounce back, that's a heart that I feel like anybody could be proud of with this Iowa team. Uh, Absolutely. I feel like that's just what you need to make runs because like we know everybody, I'm on Facebook groups and stuff that talk about how this isn't a March team. And that's the kind of thing that you need early in the season to show that this team's for real without the second leading scorer in the nation against the number one team in the nation. Can you give that performance? Well, and, and let me add this, Cooper. Um, as you know, these teams are, this team is built totally different than the team that uh, went up to West Lafayette and, and lost by, what, 36 last year. 
But let's remember that the team that went up to West Lafayette and lost by 36 was a preseason top 10 team and a team that we all thought had a chance at a final four run. They got beat by 36 to a Purdue team. Again, I know it's not apples to apples, but that Purdue team last year is not nearly uh, built like this Purdue team. So uh, again, not apples to apples, but to, to do what they did today in West Lafayette is incredible. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if this is, listen, I'd love Luca Garza. I had awesome memories watching him forever. I think it's really important for everybody on this team to understand that they have a role and to understand that every single person on that team will have their chance to make a difference. Perfect example, Josh Agundale, he provided a huge spark this year, or, the, or this game, I'm sorry. Uh, and like I said before, Toussaint has improved tremendously. Perkins is awesome this year, in my opinion. Uh, Peyton Sanford, he didn't have as much of an impact this game, but I thought it was awesome to see him get meaningful minutes because I think he could be big moving forward. I think what's different about this team is that everybody plays a role. Um, So far, you're right. I think that's just – and, yeah, so far, and when we get into Big Ten play, there may be a roster that solidifies itself. But I think so far, everybody showed that's played has – a lot of potential and a lot to add to this team. And I think they seem together and just the heart they show tonight, man, like that was just awesome to see. I've never been so frustrated yet. So happy at the same time, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I, it makes perfect sense. You and I are on the same page tonight, Cooper, believe me. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, well, man, like I wish this was going a different way, but if it had to go a different way, this or if it had to go this way, this is exactly how I would wish that it went. You're right. So I just think I thought it was great. Um, I'm really, like I said, I'm really proud of these guys. Uh, I don't know. That's really all I got to have to say. I think it's going to be an awesome season, and I think everything. I think that it's awesome that Jabo moved to the two. Um, I think it's. I'm not going to say that it's good that Weezy left early because Weezy's a, an amazing player and he gave us yeah. so much effort and so much energy. I think it's good to see the new guys um, be able to show what they have because I think I, I think they're great as well. Um, I just I just so like just I just like the makeup of this team. I mean, it's going to have its flaws, but I, I do like the makeup of this of this team. And again. Um, that was a team last year that that had that of course again built totally different, but this team has the athleticism and the length, in my opinion, to be competitive defensively. Whereas, yeah, we saw what happened with Iowa squad last year. So dependent on the three, and you get both boat race because you can't guard anybody. So I think this team has the has the potential to be at least decent on defense, and that's at times that's all they need because they're explosive enough offensively. You add Keegan to the mix tonight, who knows. And I think that's, that all comes down to grit because I will be completely honest. The first games I watched, I I was a little skeptical of, is it Rebracha or Rebracha? Rebracha, yep. Rebracha. Uh, he, bust, uh, he busted his butt tonight. And You're right. I, what is that guy, 7'5", 7'4"? 7'4", yeah. Zach Eady's huge. But, and that that was not a that was not the mismatch that 
like came out tonight. And that's what I thought. I, I thought potentially this year that the, the five mismatch would be the problem. And he held his own. He's scrappy. I like that he has emotion. Um, I just think this team's built a little different. I think that uh, this is what Iowa sports is about. Just, you don't, you have grit, man. Like, yeah. And that's just what it's about, you know? So. I'm with you, brother. That's that's really all I have to say. So. All right, man. Appreciate the call and uh, hope you can keep listening. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good night, man. You as well. Go Hawks. All right. Let's, uh, let's add coach Gary close to the mix here. I'm going to get this banner off. So it's not on your face. There we go. <laughs> you can move, maybe. There you go. Um, coach. What a what a spirited performance by these group of Hawkeyes. I, I was just blown away by <laughs> the grit. And, and early on, we saw the defense um, match up pretty well. I thought with Purdue, and I, yeah. I was waiting. I was waiting for the moment in the game where they kind of trail off, sort of like what happened against Virginia, and they start leaving wide open shooters. And it never really happened. I thought defensively, this was the best I've seen them play from start to finish in a long time. Would you agree? Yeah, I thought they had a, a great effort on the defensive end. Um, you know, a few threes got away from them, but that's a Purdue's a real high scoring team. And, you know, there was a big concern of being overwhelmed inside, and that really did not happen uh, for the most part. And and uh, I thought their defense, especially in the first half, kept them in the game when their offense was was struggling, which is what you want your defense to do. And, and, um, and then – uh, they're actually their full court defense in the second half got them back in the game. Um, really, really effective, and um, and the effort. I thought the effort was terrific. Um, there were times in that game where they could have gotten blown out, and uh, they found a way to hang in there and make it a terrific game. With what they've lost in terms of experience, is really uh, bodes well for for the future. Gary, I, I know. Typically, I hear from coaches that uh, there is no such thing as a moral victory. But is this about is this about as close as you can get a game like this with the circumstances? Probably, you know, you know, it's when you get into league play, you don't want to lose any. Uh, but um, there won't be many, if any, teams that will go in there and win. Uh, it would have been a huge, obviously, a huge win if they could have pulled it off. But um, um, what you want is effort and toughness and especially at that place and they, and they showed both uh, like we said they could have easily they could have easily uh bellied up uh in, in certain parts of that second half and they didn't and that's to their credit and to the coaching staff's credit and i was trying to figure out i don't have the official box score yet gary um i know they were down by 17 did the lead grow to 19 at one point do you remember that's a good question. I, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Uh, 17 sounds about right, but... Okay. Um, it, it may have only been 17, uh, but you're right. And, and it, I remember thinking when it was 17, 18, wherever it was, I remember thinking to myself, man, my goal heading into this game, and this I know this probably isn't a good mindset, and I would never say this, but just given the circumstances of Keegan and how Iowa has played in West Lafayette last few seasons... Um, how good this Purdue team is, how they've just been throttling everybody. My mm-hmm. thought was if we can keep it under 20, that might be a, a boost uh, just from a mental standpoint. And so when it got up to 18 or 19, I'm thinking, man, it's going to be over 20 in a minute. And I don't think we've played that bad. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Um, did you kind of feel the same way? They they had yeah. played that badly. Yeah. yeah, you look up and go, wow, we're that we're that far behind. It doesn't doesn't seem like that. Certainly effort didn't didn't look like that. They 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 played 40 hard minutes, which is all you can ask for. Um you know, it wasn't perfect, but obviously Purdue has something to do with that. So uh and then to make a run like they did there down the stretch is 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 really shows you the character of the team and the toughness of the team. What was your first thought when you heard Keegan Murray wasn't playing? I know he rolled his ankle against Virginia. I thought he was going to play tonight. Um, how, I mean, what, what did you anticipate from this game once you heard that Keegan was out? Well, like probably like a lot of people were, you know, where are they going to get the scoring? You know, that's what number one or number two score in the country. That's a lot of points yeah. in a place where it's going to be hard to score anyway. Uh, and so that's, and it looked like that in the first half, you know, just every bucket was hard to get. And, uh, you know, where do you go when you need a bucket? And, and uh, so that's, that's probably the area of concern I was most is where they were going to be able to come up with points to, you know, put enough on the board to make the game competitive or to possibly win. And I've said it to you before. I, I, I didn't think Tony Perkins got enough minutes on Monday um, I thought he played really well tonight. And again, primarily because of his length and the, and his effectiveness in the full court press to me is just uh, incredibly valuable. Um, and But then also uh, Patrick McCaffrey really stepped up, especially in that spec- second half, made some big buckets, some tough shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris Murray, I mean, he to me, every game now, he is finding more and more. He looks like he's playing with more and more confidence. We saw him today effective inside the three-point arc. He doesn't look it doesn't look like the moment's too big for him right now, Gary. Not at all. Um, and to step up like that with his brother down in a place like that, that that's as tough a place to play as there is in the country. And uh, that's got to be a huge confidence builder for him to play that well in that environment. Um, that's uh, that's exciting because uh, he he really had some good minutes out there. He did, you know, that one three was a big three. Yes, it was close. And then he made a terrific uh, driving move that uh, cut the lead even further. So, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think the moment was too tough for him. I think it was very encouraging the way he played, no doubt. I do want to ask you about this because this is going to come up at some point this season, so we might as well get it out of the way now. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Fran's rule that when a guy gets two fouls in the first half, he's basically done. You saw Joe T get two fouls early. And he was done. Fran doesn't typically, I don't know the last time Fran has went back on his rule on that. What are your thoughts on that? Did, did Greg Gard or, or uh, Bo Ryan, did they have similar or, or Dr. Tom? They had the exact same rule. Um, okay. Personally, I, I don't like it, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, but I can understand it, you know, especially on the road, uh, for sure. Um the problem I've seen with it is, especially when it happens early in the half and they sit that long, it just doesn't seem like they ever get it back going again. And how often do you look at the box score and they end up with four fouls and you're going, man, we could have gotten a few more minutes out of them. Right. Um, on the road, I think it's a little bit different, especially in a place like that. You could pick up a third foul pretty easy uh, at that place. But um, I'm not a huge, huge proponent of it, but hey, um, I can see where they're coming from. And uh, I think some of it depends upon the player and maybe a more experienced player can handle it. But 
Uh, I watched the other night. Uh, I don't know what game it was. Oh, there was a Wisconsin game, and they had um, Georgia Tech had a player in there with three fouls. He got his fourth foul in the first half, and <laughs> he was a shooter, and he, he was never the same. So there's an example where it didn't work. So right. uh, I, I will say this. If it's a rule that you believe in, then you should stick with it. And so, uh, as you say, it's a rule with Fran. It was a rule with Bo, too, that – with two, you're sitting down. The thing it does does send the message that hey, you guys know the rule. So you know if you're going to get dumb fouls in the first half, then you're probably not going to be playing, and that's not a bad message to send. Absolutely, and um, obviously Josh Agundelay, uh, his he was called on tonight. I think for a variety of reasons. A, you're down your best player. You're down a, a post guy. Um, that was the big B, reason. You're, What's that, Gary? That was the big reason for sure. I mean, they had to find some minutes somewhere. And they also got in foul trouble. Yep. So you need extra minutes from somewhere. And then I also think, you know, I, I if there's going to be a team where he plays, I would think it'd be against a guy who's 7'4 and, and certainly Trevion Williams. How did you think he played tonight? I thought early on he was a little bit soft on, on the boards, but as the game went on, he seemed to get more comfortable. I don't think there's any question. I, I, I think for as little as he's played – and the moment that he was in, I think you got to be happy the way he played. He he battled and he did some really nice things uh, for a player that's not played very much, playing against, you know, it's going to be the number one team in the country. So hats off to him. I thought he did a heck of a job coming off the bench. And I don't know what they told him in terms of, hey, this is, this is how we're going to use you and, you know, be ready. But he was ready. And um, I thought for the most part he handled himself – really well against two pretty good post players. Absolutely. What what was going on with Zach Eady tonight? Uh, was it just a matter of, was he in foul trouble? I, di- I guess I didn't really notice. What Why was why did he play so little, in your opinion? I, I think because Williams was playing so well. Uh, okay. I think that's, I think, um, I'm not exactly sure why they start him. I really haven't watched him enough to, to tell you. Um, but I think Williams is going to get, going to get the significant amount of minutes and he was really good tonight especially on the backboards um but you know it gives him two it gives him 10 fouls and two big guys and physical guys and uh i don't know if any team in the league's got anything quite like that how do you feel as a coach about the plus minus stat is that just fool's gold is there anything to read into that because i noticed on the the stat sheet that tony perkins is minus 16 but man, I didn't feel like it when he when you're watching it. No, him. I sure didn't. No, uh, you know it's something you can take a look at. But I, yeah, I think you've got to you got to take everything into account. He 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 made some nice plays. He he uh, he was aggressive, physical. Um, he was ready to go. I think he did some. You know, got five players out there, so you know the other four contributing to the negative points, if that's the case. So. I thought he did a nice job. Um, it looked like he was ready to play. Being from Indiana, he was ready to go. And he, he, um, when you play Purdue at that place, you got to have some guys that are not going to wilt under pressure and are going to be aggressive and and yet not out of control, and be physical and not back down. And and uh, it's really important in that environment. And he was one that certainly showed that. I want to address this because I know it's getting brought up in our chat here. Ray says, those refs, though, what a shame. What a fight put up against the soon-to-be number one. I tell you, this team is way better than last year's. Um, 
I don't know about that last part, Ray. I think that's maybe jumping <laughs> yeah. the gun a bit. Yeah. But I understand the excitement. It, they, this team plays a lot different than I think. There's two week. pros on the team. They're not on there anymore. Right. <laughs> um, that's a lot of talent. Here, here's what I'll say, though. I did think there were some pretty questionable calls, and we're going to have these discussions at some point, Gary, and I'm sure there'll be nights where you say, nah, you, Corey, you're reading way too much into that. I thought there were some poor calls that went against Iowa. Did you see the same thing? You know, I didn't, um, but I didn't, you know, I, I try not to spend a whole lot of time messing around with the officiating, but unless it really jumps out at you, nothing that really, there were probably a few, um, and there were probably a few the other way too. I thought for the most part, it was, it was decently officiated. Um, I've always felt, it's probably not fair to say, Purdue has always been the kind of the team that uh, they just go out and, almost foul on purpose to play real aggressive and hopes that the officiating is not called. And in doing so get you to back down and not play as strong. Um, and if they have a few fouls, they have a few fouls. And um, I think for the most part, the refs kept the game under control. It didn't get to where they were just hand checking and holding people and just got ridiculous. Um, Purdue certainly shot more free throws than Iowa did, but, Purdue got the ball inside a fair amount more to their – I mean, they got two inside players that they can go to, whereas Iowa really doesn't have a post player that they can feature. So I thought for the most part the officiating was decent. I did think – and I'll just – I'll leave it at this, uh, Gary. My my main complaint with the officiating is I thought there were some really ticky-tacky calls on Philip Rebracha, and I think that really affected the game because – I, I Philip is by far, I think, Iowa's best chance against anybody in the post this year. Yeah. Um, he's more comfortable. He's physical. I mean, he's not that big, but did, did you think that obviously a guy like Edie and, and Williams are going to get those that benefit of the doubt? I mm-hmm. thought he battled well, and I just thought maybe there were some ticky tack calls against him. Yeah, that, that might be a good point. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at it. As we talked about before, it's 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 interesting when you go back and look, and then you go, you know what, that wasn't quite as bad as I thought. Um, but it, you know, that might've been the case. He certainly got in foul trouble pretty quick. Um, and, uh, in a very physical game, uh, probably have to go back and take a look at it. Doug, as a college basketball fan, he was shocked to see there or find out that Purdue had never been ranked number one. That is sort of startling. Um, they brought up, I agree. I agree. Even the painter years, they've had some really good teams under Matt. Mm -hmm. Um, but they will be number one on Monday. And I think deservedly so this team has dominated. I mean, they dominated Florida State by nearly 30 the other night. Yeah. No, they they, they definitely deserve it. Like, like Coach Painter said after the game, we'll see how long they can last. You know, some people – we were number one our first year at Iowa, and we lasted for about two weeks or maybe a little less. It's fun while it lasts, but you know, sometimes it doesn't last very long. So enjoy it while you got it. Jermaine brings this up, and I wanted to bring this up as well. There's a cylinder rule. Um, I actually don't mind the cylinder rule call. I, I kind of questioned whether there was enough evidence on the replay to overturn that. Was Jordan Bohannon actually in the cylinder on that play? I, I have no clue about that one. That one befuddled me right from the very beginning. I, I, I have, have to find out a little bit more about Thanks. it. Yeah, I, obviously in his in his space and, he, and you're allowing him to pivot. But, I, I mean, those arms were out. I, I, I didn't like that call at all. Yeah, the elbows if were anything, out. If anything, it had been a no call. I was shocked that he got too 
you know, got a foul for that and two free throws. Well, it's just like football. If the call on the <laughs> on the field or on the court is a certain way to overturn it, I would think you'd have to have indisputable yeah, evidence. Yeah, and I just That's didn't they see it. They did, but I, I was I thought they were going in there to see if they're going to give him a flag one, <laughs> and then they turn around to get free throws out of it. So yeah, I, I, I didn't know I, you could overturn a call and and call a, a foul on the other team. I thought it was for the flagrant issue. Did you know that you could switch a foul like that? Yeah, I, I got to check, and I got to check out that cylinder thing. I, I, I have never seen that call in twenty nine years of Division One coaching. I've never seen that call, uh, so I'm curious myself. Well, I've seen the cylinder, that, what they call the cylinder rule, come into play, but typically it's when you have a defender who's, I mean, right up in there, leaning into, yeah, space. But but when you're clearing space with your elbows out. I, I just don't know how. I, I don't I, even think he was close to that. Uh, but. No, no, I thought he was in good in a good yeah. stance. Yeah. Um, Oatmeal for life says Gary, how do you like our offensive plan? Thought the pick and roll pops were worked well. Would you like to see more? Would have liked to see more for Jaybo to shoot threes. Yeah, he had a quiet night. What did you think of the offensive game plan? He did have a quiet night. They have good, quick, physical guards, and obviously, um, you know, he he. Uh, in terms of a quickness standpoint, is a hard time getting shots off. I, I was hoping he would get a few more because we could have used a few threes from him to, especially in the first half, to keep it a little bit closer. They did a, they did a really good job. I thought for the most part they did, they did a good job. The, the, the trouble you have with Purdue is with all their pressure, you start to dribble too much, a lot of um, east-west dribbling, which is exactly what they want you to do. Then you, then you pick the ball up, and now they go for the five-second count, and they get physical. So I thought at times they over-dribbled. But for the most part, um, I thought they handled the pressure pretty well and got pretty decent shots. There were a few possessions, obviously, they like that back. But um, that's a tough environment, a tough defensive team. And I think for the most part, offensively, they, um, they withstood the pressure pretty well and got pretty good looks. Gary, if you had told me heading into this game that Iowa would be down Keegan Murray, they'd be in West Lafayette against this Purdue team, um, they would have been out-rebounded 42-30. to 30. They would have only made five threes. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, Jordan Bohannon ends up with just four points. Connor McCaffrey, zero points, although I know he's not a necessarily a consistent sure. threat for anywhere. I would have told you I would have gotten, would have gotten blown out. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody else made this result possible. I will say this as it relates to Connor, and I know there's frustration with fans. Uh, he, I believe he's one of 12 from three. Um, that shot just doesn't seem to improve. I, I mean, I'll just be, I'll just say it flat out because that's just the truth. He's been here for, this is like, what, year number four. Do you see something in his motion? What, what is, what, why is it that Connor struggles from three so much, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it, it shot's a little flat, um, but it's – he's um, – it was funny, Dan, um, who, uh, the, the guy from ESPN um, one time was watching our team play. at Wisconsin, they get the nicest-looking shots that don't go in. And, and Connor's kind of like that. His shot looks pretty good. He looks like he should shoot a higher percentage than what he does shoot. Okay. Um, so hopefully he'll uh, hopefully he'll get it going because um, I think he's a better shooter than what he's showing. He's you know he's obviously not a great shooter and not a volume shooter, but 
Uh, he's better than one for 12, whatever you said. And he had some good looks tonight. He had four yeah. or five wide open good looks that he should have should have took and he did. He just didn't just didn't find the bottom of the net. But the biggest part in this game, biggest point in this game as far as this comeback, and and I'll be honest. I sat back and watched this game tonight, Gary, and I'm normally I'm a fan. I mean, that's just who I am. I'm not not denying that, but I'm normally on the edge of my seat, nervous. I can hardly enjoy a game because I'm so into the game. And tonight I just sat back. I even had the the TV muted at one point because I had no expectations going into this game. And I'm sitting there late in this game thinking, man, I've enjoyed this game more than I've enjoyed an Iowa basketball game in so long because they exceeded my expectations by so much. But I thought with under three minutes to go, there was a sequence, and I know the, the commentators brought this up, but there was a sequence off of a couple Purdue free throws, um, one of which ended up being a tie-up, and, and it was Josh. Yeah, that was big. Two offensive um, rebounds. And that's one that I, I know that Josh is not in there much, but I'd expect him to pull out and, and be able to maintain yeah. control of that ball yeah. against a much smaller Purdue guy and ended up being Purdue ball. Had Iowa gotten the ball back at that point, you're down two yeah. with over two minutes to go. Yeah, the offensive rebounding, you know, we've talked about that a little bit uh, previously. That that was one area that 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 hurt them. There's no question. I think Purdue, I'm guessing, out rebounded by 10 or 12 uh, on the glass. You know, that's 10 or 12 extra shots you're getting that, uh, you know, in a close game are are really important. I think that was a, I think that was a big part. And then I think obviously, uh, you know, they got to the defensive line more than Iowa did and. And, uh, you know, that's their post play. Um, but, uh, you know, at, the, at that, you know, at that place, that's, that's understandable. Jermaine brings up Jordan Bohannon could have gotten some more good looks other than the two he had, but man, Purdue was locking him down the whole game. I was confused at one point and I know I saw a comment on here as well, and maybe it was, maybe I missed it, but it looked like at one point Iowa went man to man with Jordan Bohannon trying to guard Jaden Ivey. Um, did that, am I imagining things or did that happen at one point? Because, uh, well, the one dunk, he was the one huge drive from, and he just almost half court, which was just, just ridiculous drive. Um, he was on, but uh, that kid's a pro. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a heck of a player. I mean, he's going to make a lot of people look bad on the defensive end just because how quick and athletic, I mean, that is an explosive athlete, um, for sure. Absolutely. And I, I did make a couple notes I wanted to get to here. Um, and I, I tend to do this more with football, but I found myself doing it tonight with basketball, which, which I guess is a good thing. The, the foul game was, to me, the difference in the game. I mean, Iowa mm-hmm. defended well, but just could not defend without fouling. And I'm not saying the referees were responsible. I thought most of them were good calls. Was that just a, a result of, A, you're playing on the road, um, and B, it's a young team trying to learn how to defend. Yeah, and and I think in Purdue's emphasis is to get the ball inside a lot, whether it's post ups or drives, and they got uh, athleticism that they can do it. So, if you're driving more and posting up more, you're going to draw more fouls. Um, and they, especially at home, they really, really emphasize that. Uh, and so, uh, I thought I thought Iowa had some fouls that um, were a little maybe a lack of discipline that the problem with those is that it gets them closer and closer to the penalty. And then when you have a legit foul, 
they're shooting rather than taking the ball out. So most teams, what they like to do is try to, you know, they're keeping track of the team fouls and they're trying to get the other team in the penalty as quick as they can. And Purdue definitely tries to do that at their place. I'm sure they try to do it everywhere, but at, at home for sure. And so your ability to stay disciplined and not foul is, is important. And, um, you know, it's hard to do because those two guys are big and they're, they got yeah. some guys that can put the ball on the floor and attack and puts a lot of pressure on your interior defense. There was a possession in the first half that, and certainly there were more than there were more possessions than just the one in the first half. Certainly the second half, Iowa really stepped up defensively, but there was a possession at the three minute mark. And I, I made a note of it because it was the perfect possession defensively. And maybe you don't recall, but it was a possession where forced Purdue down to one or two seconds on the shot clock and they heave up a, a bad shot. Iowa uh, contains a rebound and it was just a beautiful possession defensively. And then maybe you're looking at me and think, why are you bringing up one possession? We don't see a lot of complete possessions defensively, at least I don't from this team, that includes a defensive rebound like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back to what we talked about early on against against Virginia. I thought Iowa's defense the first 15 minutes or so in that game was excellent as well. I, I Again, I doubted whether Iowa could sustain it from beginning to end tonight but they did. So what was different? Was there something different besides just energy level and commitment to uh, close out on, on three point shooters? What was the difference? Well, I, I think they're improving. You know, I think yeah, that's what you're hoping as you go through the year that you get better. And, you know, when most people talk about improving, they talk about it on the offensive end. They don't even think about it on the defensive end, but you know, in terms of rotations and getting better containing the ball and, uh, getting better, getting proper angles and better help position. And it all goes into playing better team defense. And and uh, I agree. I, I thought uh, against a really good offensive team, they had a lot of possessions that Purdue really had to work to get good shots. And that's a good sign. Um, and I thought for the most part, especially in the first half, when their offense was struggling, their defensive defense kept them in the game where it could have really gotten ugly if they'd have struggled on the defensive end. And, and um, so that's a good sign. I think they're, I think they're getting better. I think they're improving. I'll say this and, and oatmeal for life brings up the, uh, the full court press. Um, I give tons of credit to Fran because we've talked about, it. he really likes to implement that, that full court press. Um, what, what, is, what are the schematic for people that don't understand, including myself, the schematic differences between the different full court presses that, you can run or maybe the ones that Fran runs. What, what are the concepts? Where do you want the opponent to end up with the ball? Well, the, uh, yeah, they have that, the three-quarter court, the, like the one, two, two, uh, three-quarter court press, which is the, and they have been kind of a staple for a long, long time. Uh, and it, Purdue really struggled against it. I, I, it's, it's interesting with pressure defense. You just never know, you know, when a team is going to struggle and when they're not. And there was no question that they got tentative – uh, they tried to beat it with a dribble a lot, which really got him into trouble. It's like one dribbler going against two guys, and and uh, you know they had a couple of ten second calls. They had a couple of turnovers. Um, it looked like they were just trying to beat it off the dribble and very little passing. And and so now the the ten second clock comes into effect with all that dribbling. And so I would think the next time they did that, they would try to attack it with a little more passing rather than rather as much dribbling as they were doing. 
especially when they're bringing that second guy in there to, to really almost double team that dribbler right in the middle of the floor. And he had nowhere to go with it, certainly behind him. And so uh, then the 10 second clock comes into effect. And so it was a big reason why they got back into the game. Peru really struggled against it. And um, it's, it's like I said before, it's sometimes you don't get much out of it. Uh, and then other times, you know, it's a different guy handling the ball or whatever. And, and uh, they don't handle as well. That was the case. That was the case. And that's a reason why you stay with it in hopes that you can get a stretch where they don't, they struggle. And then that can help you get back in the game. That's exactly what happened in this game. And I know most people won't remember this. And for some reason it stands out in my mind, 2016, I want to say January of 2016 might've been February, but Iowa goes to West Lafayette uh, falls down by 15 comes back to win that game. And the reason I remember that that game specifically is because Purdue struggled with Franz Press then as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me wonder, is it a Matt Painter thing? Is it a schematic thing with just how he operates and how his offense, how his guards play? Because I, I was shocked tonight with, I mean, they never really figured it out. Iowa kind of dropped that press the, the last two minutes of the game. But yeah. they, I mean, they even went into a timeout and came in and got a 10-second violation. You hardly ever see that at this level. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like a struggle almost every possession to get it even across the timeline. Uh, no, I thought it was I thought it was real effective, and I thought it was a little curious how they attacked it in terms of all the dribbling. Um, maybe they thought that their dribbler could just attack and get around them without any problem, but that was not the case. They contained the ball well and kept it in front, and and that's where the 10-second clock came into effect. Uh, so I'll be curious. I don't know. Do they play them again later in the year? I'll be curious to see how they attack at the next time they play. If they do. That's a good question. I'll have to pull up the schedule. Um, I believe they do. I believe we had a, a commenter in here earlier that said that there's a rematch coming. Let me mm-hmm. find that rematch coming, t- uh, January 27th, according to Charles. So, well, not too far uh, away. So yeah, well, I mean, a little, a little bit of a ways, but it'll be curious to see when they play again, if they change how they attack because. um, it definitely caused them some problems tonight, and, and and got them back in the game. If they hadn't pressed, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have gotten that game down to where it was. We'll finish by talking about Iowa, but Doug wants to know your opinion on Mark Turgeon stepping down or, or parting ways. What obviously it sounds like it was mutual. What were your thoughts on that? I'm sure you know Mark personally. Yeah, I I, I know him a little, but not real well. Obviously, competed against him. Um, yeah, it's it, it caught me by surprise just because of the timing, right in the middle of the year. So, you know, beyond that, um, I really don't know. Um, it's uh, it's interesting, uh, primarily because of the, you know right in the middle of the season. Now you got to get an interim coach, and um, but um, you know maybe we'll hear more as it goes along. But good coach, uh, that's going to hurt them. Right? You know, that's that's a disruption and. Uh, I, I think that will hurt him, uh, although you never know. But um, it's not an easy thing to do right in the middle of the year. Maryland was struggling a bit. I mean, they were yeah. ranked, and I know they beat Richmond, but they, you know, they almost lost to um, was it George Washington or was it George yeah. Mason? George Mason no, I they were struggling for sure. And so you wonder what's going on behind the scenes there. And certainly, that's mm-hmm. a, a quite obviously. I would think something was going on behind the scenes, and I, I did notice Andy Katz. Um, I get a little exhausted when when there's reporting going on during a game about a, a totally different team, but sometimes you get that with Andy Katz. <laughs> and I, I was I'm curious too. One of the things that was uh, mentioned by by Stephen Bardo at one point in the game, and 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 I don't I like Stephen Bardo. I think he's one of the better color guys on the Big Ten Network. I like Big Ten Network color guys for the most part, 
but he just settles a little weak, but other than that, I think they're all <laughs> besides I'll, I'll give you that one besides Jess. But, um, but Steven said, this is by far not Purdue's best performance. And I thought that's kind of discrediting Iowa a little bit for what they did. Did you feel like Purdue sleepwalked through this game? Or no, was it- no, I don't. I, I think Iowa deserves a lot of credit. I'm both coaches are going to go back and look and say, Oh man, we could have done this better and that better. I, I don't think Purdue it was a lack of effort. Um, I think the pressure really bothered him. I think that was a big part of a big part of it. And um, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, I think Purdue will go back and look at the turnovers and say, my goodness, we can't be having whatever they had 17, 18 turnovers. Uh, you know, I think that's something that they'll, they'll want to clean up, but um, no, I, I think, I think Iowa deserves more credit for making Purdue look like they did than Purdue playing badly. When I heard Keegan was out, my first thought, uh, Gary, because again, I had, I kind of figured Iowa would lose this game by more than 20, whether Keegan played or not. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was that's a smart move by Fran because we're probably not going to win this game anyways. Um, let's get him back for a stretch where we can get some quality wins, some realistically uh, winnable games, Illinois, Iowa State, Utah State, et cetera. Um, do you think there was, I mean, I know he, he, uh, apparently he was warming up is what I was told pregame. Um, does that go through a coach's mind or do you just stick to, okay, is he ready to go or is he not? Or do you look ahead of the schedule and think in those terms? Yeah, I, I think, I think it was probably more that he just, he wasn't ready and they didn't want to take a chance of making it worse. Um, and then it's something that just hangs on f- for a long, long time. So, you know, maybe he was close to being there, but then he t- gets a setback and, uh, so I'm guessing it was more he just wasn't ready to go. Um, and why, you know, why take a chance of making it worse, you know, with some with some tough games coming up. So maybe a combination. But I think it was probably more that he just wasn't ready to go, that it was close maybe, but um, not not at a, in a condition that uh, was conducive for him playing. Because if he's going to play, you want to play him. You know, it's not like you want to go play him 10 minutes. Right. Uh, then it's not worth it. If you, you know, if you're going to play him, let's play him. And I don't think, you know, I don't think the ankle was ready to play 25, 30 minutes. Um, and so they probably decided to shut him down. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh Oh, assuming, assuming Keegan Murray is back Monday. And that's, I guess that's a, we have no idea, but assuming he plays against Illinois, because that's going to be a big game. Illinois looked really good tonight. They must have. Yeah. A struggling Rutgers team, but it looks like Illinois is starting to figure out and work through, exercise those early season demons that they were having. But assuming Keegan is back, do we see Josh Ogundale against Kofi Coburn? I would say probably, at least a little bit. Uh, I think it depends on you know how um, Rebecca plays, um, but I, I would say so. I think the way he, I think the way he played today, he deserves. He deserves some minutes, um, and then he's going to have to keep playing well to to get more. Um, I think that's kind of what it showed. I think he's probably played well enough that he deserves another another shot at it. And uh, against a team like Illinois, it's probably it's probably good because of their size. And you know, even if Murray comes back, you know, is he going to be 100? percent Is he going to be able to play 35 minutes? Those are both probably big question marks. So I would guess he'll probably he'll probably still get a chance to get some minutes and see how he does. 
And this is a stat that continues to impress. That was putting me on the spot, that one there. You didn't feel too pressured. I'm just going to wow. okay. That's okay. slowly amp it up as we go each game. Okay. Questions will I get tougher you. and tougher. Um, right. This is a stat that continues to impress me. Nine turnovers. And I would have to think that's a decent number for a road game without your best player. That's, against a, great the country. No, that's a great number against a really good, aggressive, physical team in a tough environment. That's impressive. That could be easy to be double. You yeah. watch. There will be a lot of teams that play at Purdue. They'll get 15, 18, 20 turnovers. Um, I think that, along with their their defense in the first half, kept them within striking distance, and their pressure in the second half got them back in the game. So no, that, uh, I've had some Wisconsin teams that have gone in there and had 15, 16, 17 turnovers, and we would average five or six because of how physical they play and how tough an environment it is. I don't have that. I'm trying to find this stat, but one of the stats that just almost flabbergasted me, uh, Gary, was the Big Ten Network showed it, and I can't find it here on the box score. I did get the box score from the University of Iowa, but trying to filter through it. Um, they showed at least maybe two-thirds. Let me find it here. Okay, that's first step. I can't find the game stats, but points in the paint. Mm-hmm. Iowa was actually winning that battle late in the second half, and I'm thinking – how in the world are we winning points in the paint? I mean, answer that against this team again without Keegan Murray on the road. That's yeah. really, really impressive. That does surprise me a little bit. Um, now Purdue did knock some threes down, but um, yeah, that does surprise me a little bit. Now the other, the other part of that is, is that if you're fouling, then those don't go down as points in the paint. Those go to free throws. So that might have something to do with it, with the, the difference, but for even it to be close um, shows you their offense was pretty good. They only had nine turnovers and they got some points in the paint. And, and uh, so they did a lot of things well to give themselves a chance to win in a really tough place against a really good team. And you got to be encouraged by that. I've got the stat here, 34 points in the paint for Iowa, 26 for Purdue. Yeah. And you're right. There were a lot of fouls and then Purdue, Lapped it up at the line, but mm-hmm. that's still that still stands out to me. Thirty-four points in a painting as them is good. It is really good. Yeah, absolutely agree. And uh, lots of lots of positive things, Gary. Th- a lot this of was, um, you know, a, a lot more. I think fun. the biggest positive is the effort and the toughness and the ability to hang in there and make a game of it uh, in a really tough place to play against a really good team. Uh, that's without your best player. So, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Um, now the key thing is, is you got to move on. You know, you can't, you can't rest on that. You got to keep getting better um, because you got a really good team coming in Monday night. Uh, and so you got to understand what you didn't do well. And, and uh, like we said, moral victories don't count in the one loss column. So appreciate the effort, but Hey, here's what we got to get better at. And we got to have the same effort. We just got to execute a little bit better to see if we can get a win on Monday because um, playing well against Purdue is not going to help us against Illinois other than, um, you know, it's a nice sign, but you still got to go play the game. I'll tell you what it does do, Gary. I think that will energize some fans to show up to that game on Monday. You would hope so. I w- yeah, I certainly would. I'll tell yeah. you what was cool in this game as an Iowa guy. When they're making that run late in the second, 
And again, nobody expected them to be able to come back in this game, let alone have a chance to win there towards the end. But when they're coming back in this game, I'm like, what's all the, why is the crowd cheering? And then I'm realizing there's a heck of a ton of Iowa fans there because of course, uh, a lot of fans are there for the Big Ten title game tomorrow. Yeah, it might have gone um, down, yeah. And it was loud. There were a lot of Iowa fans. And you talked about it on the last show. That's one of the toughest places to play one of the most impressive environments. I was impressed with how many fans showed up to this game tonight. I'm sure tickets weren't easy to come by, the number two no. team in the country. No, no. Iowa's always traveled well. Uh, they, they, it's, it's, I've been, when I was coaching, I was amazed some of the places that we would get some unbelievable turnouts and, um, it's tradition and, and fans that really care about the program. So, uh, yeah, that, that was good. They needed every one of them in there because that environment was electric tonight. That was, that was a great college basketball environment. That's as tough a place to play as any in the league. I mean, there'll be some that'll be close and comparable, but there won't be anything tougher than playing what they just did tonight. Um, that's as tough as it gets. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to go somewhere and win, but it does say, hey, look, we went into a tough place and played, you know, had a chance to win the game. There's no reason why we can't do that anywhere else if we play well. All right, Gary, I know it's early, still a lot of basketball left, but Adam makes a comment. Iowa looks like a tournament team. Would you agree with that at this point? Or too early? Well, it's probably a little bit too early, but I would agree with them. I think you, you played a team that's going to be number one in the country on their court, and you know it's a two-point game with a couple minutes to go. I think as we've talked about, Corey, you got to get better. I mean, you can play well, and all of a sudden you go on a five-game losing streak in this yep. league, uh, and so and get wiped right out of it. So, you know, it sounds like coach speak, but they've got to just get geared up for Monday night. And they just got to put as many wins together as they can because you can't assume anything. And just because you play well doesn't mean you're going to play well again on Monday. It helps. Right. But it's there's no guarantees. So um, you got to be really encouraged with how hard they played and how well they played. But they got to keep getting better and they got to get wins. Um, you don't get in the NCAA tournament for great effort. Uh, you, you get in there for getting enough enough wins to convince the committee you belong. Ray says that Zach Johnson apparently was at Mackey tonight. So um, kind of a right. cool note there. For Zach Johnson. <laughs> I'm assuming that means he'll be there at the Big Ten title game tomorrow. And Cooper says a negative thing to say, Iowa travels well, but we can't travel well to Carver. Imagine having Carver pack like that environment. These boys deserve it. I think part of that, Gary, I've always said this, Carver is flawed in the way it's, it's set up with students. I, I really believe that. But I do agree that, Fans do have a responsibility when your team is playing like this team is playing, young, and yet they're competing each each night. Um, I, I would I would have to think, especially with football basically being in the rearview mirror by the time we hit Monday night, that fans I'll be disappointed if it's not mostly full on Monday. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a Monday night. It's a little you know, if it's a weekend night, it'd be almost a guarantee. But yeah, yeah, it, 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 uh, I hope so too. I mean, I, I've I've coached there where that place has been unbelievable. I've, I've been on a, as an opponent going in there where it's been really tough to play. Um, like we had talked about, I think COVID's got something to do with it. I think some of it is uh, it's early in the non-conference schedule. I think some of it is that, you know, the players they lost, maybe people didn't think they're going to be very good, but they've shown that they've got a pretty competitive team. That's got a chance to be pretty good. And uh, in this league, you need your fans to show up. 
to get as whatever advantage you can get playing at home because the road is so tough that you need to take you need to take care of business at home and the crowd certainly helps. So I hope I hope that um, they'll be out strong um, for the Iowa kids because they deserve it. And I'll address this from Dennis real quick before we wrap this thing up. Yes, the McCaffrey brothers were 0 for 9. I think Leif Connor was 0 for 6. Patrick is not going to go 0 for 4 in a typical night. I think he's he, right. he's typically going to be a, a at least a 35% three-point shooter. Would that be accurate in your mind, Gary? Yeah, I just think every bit of that. And he made some good plays off the dribble. And yes, he, he did. He got some big baskets. Um, yeah, it's um, – Purdue makes it hard from three. Oh no doubt, Purdue's a good defense, good defensive team, and they, you know, they they're they're physical. And Connor got some good looks. Uh, there weren't very many other wide open looks that were going. Man, that should have gone down. There were a few, uh, but um, for the most part, they did a pretty good job. And I'll, I'll give Iowa credit. It's not like they shot themselves out of the game by taking too many bad threes. They they took what the defense gave them, and and uh, so that helped them get back in the game in the second half. So. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll shoot it better. I think we had talked about it. See, all of a sudden the game's a little faster. The defense is a little bit better. The pressure's a little bit quicker. It's just, instead of being wide open, having all kinds of time, you don't have it anymore. Um, because the competition is better. And, uh, that's probably the best defensive team they've played so far. And, um, might be one of the best defensive teams they play all year. I mean, they're, they're known for their defense, so they'll they'll shoot it better. Um, it's too bad they couldn't have shot a little bit better tonight because if they had, the outcome might have been different. Absolutely, and Cooper does bring up thought Pat made a three. It was a two. They said his foot was on the line. I noticed that on the scoreboard that they did not credit. It was him close. Three. Yeah, right in front of the bench. It was close. Yeah. We do have a caller here for you, Gary. Thank you for calling Iowa basketball post game from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hello. Are you with us, caller? Ron? Hello. Thank you for calling Iowa basketball postgame. You're on. Hi, is this Ron? No, you called Iowa basketball postgame. No, I'm Ron. Oh, hey, Ron. (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I thought you were looking for Ron. Yes, sir. A couple thoughts. Uh, I thought Tony Perkins was fantastic, and I really would like to see him overall. Um, maybe get more prominent minutes yet. Excellent defensively. Uh, the way they were just flying around as a team was amazing. Um, I'm very concerned with the big man uh, going into the Big Ten. Uh, if you could comment on that, of course, Josh O showed some progress. He's pretty raw. He looked pretty winded for a running team. He looked pretty winded, but boy, he sure hustled in and really, really came in hard for us. So thank you for taking my call. Appreciate the call. And Gary, um, I, I'll just, I'll just say this about Josh and I'm assuming he's saying he's concerned about Philip. Philip was in foul trouble a lot. I really like Philip. I think he's playing really good basketball right now. Um, as far as Josh is concerned, you got to remember, Josh lost a lot of weight this past offseason, and then he just got sick. He was sick, what, a week or two ago, Gary? So mm-hmm. he's still trying to get back into shape. But your, yeah. your thoughts on the caller? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a legitimate concern. And 
you know, we talk about the team getting better. That's an area where hopefully they will improve. Uh, you know, if there's if you're looking at a weakness, that would certainly be it. I think the coaching staff would tell you that, and that's that's understandable. They lost a, they lost a national player of the year who probably yeah. played 35 minutes there. So you're, you're going to have a weakness. That's just the way it is, and it's a long season. So hopefully uh, by committee they can continue to get better. Um, I think the way Chris played tonight – uh, gives them another possibility uh, where they could play both the Murrays together uh, along with Patrick and, and get some quality minutes out of there. So um, there's, there's different ways they can go, but um, it's early and um, hopefully they'll continue to improve. Uh, I think you're right that uh, the foul trouble, you know, hurt Philip early and, uh, but the big fella came in and did a nice job. So um, it's a work in progress, but, we, but, you had to know that just by, you know, what they were placing and how many minutes he played. I just, right. he dominated that, that position. Uh, and so it's going to take some time. I will say this too. Um, you brought up all the factors that have kept some fans, potentially kept fans away from, from Carver so far. You also got to remember, I think football finishing up will really help. I, I think oh, yeah. there's the element of Iowa football fans who are just not going to get into basketball until football's over. I'm not that way, Gary. Right, <laughs> but right. A lot of right. fans are. Yeah. Um, Hyper local wants to know: Do we win with Keegan? I know it's all speculation, but if Keegan <laughs> plays in this game, does Iowa win this game? Well, let's see. Keegan averages 24 points, and so we would won by, by seven. No, I think they would have won by 15. <laughs> so <laughs> that that would be interesting. I'd say. Probably. I mean, you never know. It's purely hypothetical, but it certainly would have helped. Uh, and that's why it's encouraging. I mean, you have your yeah. best player not there. And, um, you know, no, you know how the other team reacts to in terms of, oh, now right. they don't love him. So it's 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 not something you come up with a uh, concrete answer. But uh, I'd say our chance certainly would have been better. And uh, you don't lose a player of that caliber. It doesn't hurt you because he's he's that good. So. Uh, no question. Last thing, Gary, I, I'm just, I mentioned Chris again, and obviously I'm all about Chris Murray right now. I don't think like I, I was saying a few weeks ago that I thought he looked like he lacked confidence. And all of a sudden that little bit of confidence that I I'm perceiving that he has in his game right now that he's developed, mm -hmm. he's not that far off from being the second best player on this team. Is that hyperbole? Uh, the potential's there. No, I think the potential is he's got a chance. Um, he had a good game tonight. Um, he, he he really gave him some quality minutes that they needed with his brother out. It's got to give him confidence. Uh, hopefully he can build on that. Um, you know, you very rarely stay the same. You know, hopefully in increments he can just keep getting better and better. That's the key. How much better can they be on Monday? How much better can they be in two weeks? How much better can they be in a month? That's going to dictate whether they are playing in March uh, and whether they can stay in the Big Ten races, how much they can improve. And uh, there was a lot of improvement tonight, even though it didn't result in a win. Um, and, and Chris is a good example. That was encouraging. Angela off the bench was encouraging. Uh, and so – but – they got to keep doing it. You know, you, yep. you, you, one game's not going to make the season. They got to keep adding on to that. And that's, that's going to be the, the, um, the key to, uh, to their success and the team success. Keegan Murray hit his average tonight. He's averaging 11.7 uh, 
per game. He's the second leading scorer on this team behind his uh, his twin brother Keegan. So yeah, the, the potential is there, and with Patrick oh. playing the way he is, and again, this is yeah. without a good night from Jordan Bohannon, without your best player in Keegan Murray, and with a ton of foul trouble, and they found a way not only to play good defense throughout the game, but to make a comeback despite all those factors. So just incredibly impressive. Um, want to remind everybody, please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Turn notifications on so you can be alerted when we go live. Of course, we'll be back Monday for basketball. So Iowa versus Illinois Monday. Uh, huge game inside Carver Hawkeye Arena. So hopefully Carver is packed. Hopefully it's rocking. It'll be a 6 p.m. Central time tip-off on FS1. And a reminder to everyone as well. I don't know that I really have to remind people of this. <laughs> but the tomorrow? Iowa, <laughs> that, you know, Iowa State plays Creighton tomorrow, Gary. So uh, I guess if you're a true basketball fan and you just don't care about football whatsoever, maybe you watch Iowa State Creighton. I don't think there's going to be many Iowa fans watching Iowa State and Creighton. I would. I, I would I'll not. stick my neck out and say that. Big <laughs> Ten title game tomorrow starts at about 7. It'll be on Fox. Of course, join us over at Iowa at the Voice of College Football following the game. Iowa postgame with Coach Don Patterson. Coach Don will actually be calling us for a few minutes. He'll be at the game in Indianapolis, and then he'll be with us for a special edition of Iowa Live on Sunday night. But he will be with us briefly. I'll be with you tomorrow night taking your calls. Again, if you haven't heard my pick, I've got Iowa 25, Michigan 20. Um and that's certainly going against the grain. Gary, do you care to offer any predictions on the That sounds like a pretty good prediction to me. Uh, let's uh, – I'd like to see it happen. And it's not impossible. You know, Michigan has blown some games in the past. Maybe they'll find a way to blow another one because uh, – I, like I feel like Iowa has found a way to win games. If, like we can, if they can score points, I think their defense will be able to – play with Michigan it's just a question of whether we whether Iowa can score enough points to score more than Michigan so um it's a championship game it'll be it'll be cool to watch it's, absolutely there's only two teams you get to play in the championship and Iowa's won them so they deserve a lot of credit for that yeah, enjoy it regardless of the outcome tomorrow yep. fans enjoy that because it's not certainly not every year hasn't happened since 2015 and one final note Big Ten did defeat the ACC in the Big Ten ACC challenge this week that's a good bounce back for the conference. And the Ohio State win over Duke was massive. Um, that I just think the, the Big Ten is sort of reversed the uh, – the, er, there was some speculation early on that the conference was sort of down. I think maybe they've dispelled some of that now, Gary. I don't think there's any, any doubt, uh, especially with Ohio State's win over uh, uh, Duke. That was really impressive, especially in the second half. So, no, uh, the Big Ten will always be there. Um, really, Corey, the, 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 the true evaluation is league is how, and it's not fair necessarily, but it's how you do in the NCAA tournament. That's where, mm -hmm. that's where your reputation is made. And, uh, what the league has got to do is get as many teams in there as possible to give us, give the league his best chance to advance as many teams as possible. And, uh, we've knocked on the door a number of times of winning championships and come close. So it, it we're due. We need to get somebody to cut down the nets and, and bring a basketball championship back to the league. It's been too long. Absolutely, Gary. All right, we appreciate it as always. Of course, we'll be back on Monday um, for Iowa basketball postgame. And as Cooper uh, lets us know if Iowa football shows the grit of Iowa basketball, Iowa will win tomorrow. And I'll stick there with you. There you go. So we'll be there back for Iowa postgame with Coach John Patterson tomorrow over at Iowa at the Voice of College Football. We'll be back here Monday. 
For Coach Gary Close, I'm Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you soon.